young. Tyra, you guys we're tired of all your bitching out there. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Um, I'm so exhausted right now. I think it's like, it's almost 11. I guess that's not too late, but I've just done so much today at chemistry and my professor loves to lecture into lab and lab is three and a half hours and lecture is an hour and a half hour and like 20 minutes um and she usually goes over that but (laughs) um so it's in total probably like four and a half hours of just straight chemistry like she doesn't really give you a break sometimes she'll give you like a 10 minute break but it's like super rare but (laughs) anyway so I've just done like four and a half hours of chemistry and then I knew that I had to come up with something to talk about um for this week's episode because I have a list on my phone. I don't know if anyone else does this, but I have like a huge list on my phone of all the topics that I want to cover, um, just like in general and like any series that I have, like ideas and stuff like that. I keep it in my phone. So it's super easy just to like look at topics, kind of see what goes together and like pay kind of like usually three main points. So basically, um, I, I don't know, this week I just wasn't really feeling anything and then so I asked you guys what I should record and a lot of you guys, well actually I think only one person, I'm acting like I have a lot of people that care about me, but um, I'm pretty sure like one, I forgot who it was, I'm sorry, but someone said they wanted me to talk about the coronavirus thing and um, kind of the racism behind that and kind of how I guess um, white vegans, (laughs) whenever they do something problematic, you know, it's kind of, um, branded as a whole vegan issue instead of just like white people doing white people shit. But, um, and so whenever there's like a couple vegans doing something awful, like it kind of speaks for the whole community and it's usually white people, which overshadows the extreme amount of good that, out like good white people are doing and also people of color are doing especially within the vegan community so that kind of sucks but that's a whole nother topic and I do want to talk about that on its own but I think in this episode I'm going to focus on kind of the coronavirus what I've seen the racism behind it and if you've read any of my tweets this weekend I was just like going at it which I usually don't and I spent way longer on my phone than I should have this weekend so that was definitely a wake-up call because I noticed that my mental health was a lot worse when I'm just like on my phone all the time um but then again I mean there's positive things you can be doing on your phone versus negative things like arguing with random people about dumb shit but it did make me realize a lot of things about myself and then also a lot of things about the general public that is just very sad but anyway before I get super into this topic and um that whole thing and all my main points today we are going to um well first I'm going to introduce the kombucha that I'm drinking today and let me grab it I was like attracted to it because its name is Pink Lady Apple and it's from the GTS Synergy Organic Kombucha brand. But um, um, I was attracted to the name because it kind of reminded me of Grease, <laughs> like the movie, kind of like the P- 
pink ladies. I think that's what they're called, but I could be wrong. I don't know. But I don't know. I saw it and I was like, that's so cute. And then like a lot of the things that I'm working on this year are inspired by like Grease and Mean Girls and kind of like that whole like Legally Blonde, Powerpuff Girl kind of thing. So a lot of the projects that I'm working on are um, inspired by Grease. So I don't know. I was attracted to the pink lady apple. It looks beautiful, but um, I haven't tried it yet. I'm drinking it out of my 2014 like champagne glass that my mom got me. And it was when I was graduating and she threw me a graduation party, which was an interesting party. <laughs> and she got us all like these little wine glasses that said 2014. And I'm pretty sure we just drank like soda out of them. <laughs> um but anyway, yeah, I graduated in 2014. If anybody was curious about that, yes, I am still in college. I am so aware. <laughs> I am hyper aware that I should have graduated and everybody I know also should have graduated. But then there comes a time is that to it comes a time where you realize that like you can't live up to like everyone else's expectations of what they think you should be doing at this time in your life. I look at everything that's happened to me and my life and how I ended up the way that I am here. And I don't really feel ashamed that I'm still in college. I think that I learned a lot about college. And anyway, I'm just, I'm going off on a tangent. Anyway, we're drinking the kombucha pink lady apple. Um, it's from the GTS brand and I like their kombuchas the most out of majority of the kombuchas I've had and I know the guy who like started GTS um his mom had breast cancer and she when she like was able to heal herself from it or um like not I guess not cure but when she was getting treatment for it and it turned out to be a lot better in the end for her she um the doctors kind of were asking her like what what did you do like did you do anything else besides you know the treatment or whatever and she told them that she just drank really pungent kombucha <laughs> and um I just thought I don't know I just think that story is cool um that she feels like she was able to use kombucha to heal herself whether that is scientifically accurate or not is and one thing but I mean I just think it's a cool story and yeah, anyway, <laughs> I know I'm going off on a tangent, I guess, for that, but all of the GTS kombuchas are also organic if you're into that, and yeah, so also I think GTS was the first kombucha, like, on shelves in the United States, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, I feel like nobody cares about these random kombucha facts, but oh my god, okay, it doesn't taste that bad. It actually kind of tastes like sparkling cider or, like, apple juice or like a sparkling apple juice which I guess would be apple cider right I don't know <laughs> um anyway so we're gonna get into the main topic <laughs> which is um the coronavirus and the extreme response that I've seen um from people in result of the virus and um I'm not an expert on this topic I'm just gonna start off right now I've done um, a little bit of research. Um, and by that, I mean like about three hours of research. So like, obviously do your own research. Don't take what I say as a hundred percent fact. Things probably will have changed since then. <laughs> so, um, 
things will probably have changed since I last since I recorded this. So that's just what is accurate to me from my research. But obviously do your own research and don't take what I say always as 100% factual because you never know when people do research. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so um, I listened to a few, po- a few podcasts on this topic to and from school because it's kind of a long drive. And I've noticed that there's a it's a lot more complex than people are really researching and just the extreme amount of response that I've seen on Twitter of people just saying the most ignorant and racist shit I've ever heard in my life. And none of it is like actually rooted in anything factual. It's all just racism and xenophobic phobia. And I don't know. Anyway, um. I just feel like everyone and their grandparents' cats (laughs) have an opinion on this virus. And um, as of today, from the small amount of research that I've done on this topic, um, I think the official reports show that the death toll is now around 106. And there have been around 4,581 confirmed cases. And... The youngest victim to um, pass away from this virus has been 36 years old. And I saw on the news just as I was like about to go um, leave to do the research for this podcast. I like to like go to different coffee shops and stuff and like it's a vibe. Anyway, different like CDC like I guess screenings that they're doing at different airports is also what I've seen. So here's the kind of information that I've gathered from the internet. Again, do your own research. Never take what I say as 100% factual. Your own research will always be like the best source because you are you and like, okay, anyway. (laughs) From what I've seen is that usually viruses don't want to kill the person necessarily because they want to thrive in your body. And they want to pass on other viruses to people of like the same species. But like when the virus goes from like an animal to a human, it's a it's like introduced to a new environment because it's used to being in, you know, the environment of whatever species that it was in previously. I know that just from what I've seen to try and stop spreading the coronavirus, it just says to, you know, like obviously cover your nose. Like if you have like a runny nose, like clearly like (laughs) don't just like spread your juices (laughs) all over the place and, you know, don't touch infected surfaces and stuff like that. And um, I know some people wear masks, um, whether those are 100% effective or not, um, it's best to just kind of avoid crowded places, which it's just kind of, um, and that's how kind of everything is interconnected. And what I've been noticing just from those small amount of symptoms, it sounds like viruses and diseases that have been spreading in the United States is what I first noticed when I was reading those symptoms, but that's just something I'm going to get into later. But, um, It just kind of shows how all of this is interconnected, that when we have viruses that flourish in larger populations, usually those populations are going to be filled with um, people in poverty. And when their bodies are introduced to 
diseases and viruses, obviously their immune systems are a lot weaker because they are, don't have the proper economic funds um, to really prosper in life. It's kind of, it's. I mean, and they don't have access to like getting different vaccines and different shots and whatever and medical care and all of this. And it just kind of shows how everything is interconnected. And what I've what I've noticed from all of this is that those symptoms, like I said, um, runny nose, covering your mouth when you're sneezing um, and touching like infected areas that just sounds like common sense. Some research that I didn't know was that there's different types of coronaviruses. Um, and an example of one is called MERS. I'm not exactly sure if that's how you say it, but it's M-E-R-T. S, and it stands for Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. And that's killed, I think, like about 800 people. And it mainly appeared in like areas like Saudi Arabia and then in other, you know, countries such as like other countries like within the Middle East and like Africa and Asia and Europe and stuff like that. Obviously, it spread to those places. And then there was another version of, a, I believe, a coronavirus because there's different I guess, types from the research that I found. And there's another one called SARS. And I remember the podcast that I was listening to. (laughs) That sound that I did, I was like, bald. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Um, I remember the podcast I was listening to mentioned SARS, which stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. And that killed, oh no, girl. Honestly, okay, This could be 114 people in 2003, or this could be 774 people in 2003. I cannot read my handwriting. That is awful. I'm going to go. Wow, I have no idea. It really could be either or. My handwriting is just not the best. (laughs) That's what I said. Like, take this with a grain of salt because, I mean, I did. I did 100% do great research. I'm not trying to down myself or act like what I'm saying isn't factual. I just really can't read my handwriting. I'm sorry, but there hasn't been like any reports though of SARS um, as of 2015. So it's something that has faded, but it was once um, a coronavirus. So we have definitely, and that I know spread a lot through Canada too, I'm pretty sure. So we have seen different coronaviruses before and they have phased out. I don't know if that's through like vaccine or anything like that. I'm not exactly sure, but um, that's that. But I guess in December of 2019, um, there was another outbreak in China, um, I think. Um, they decided to call it 2019-NCOV. Um, that's kind of like the name, the official, I guess, scientific name of what this coronavirus is, but everybody's kind of just been calling it a coronavirus, which I guess is kind of problematic in itself, which just shows that a lot of people aren't doing a lot of research because I didn't even know there was different types of coronaviruses. So kind of just labeling it coronavirus just seems like it's so like scary. I mean, and not saying it's not, and it's killed a hundred plus people so far. So I'm not diminishing it or acting like this isn't a big deal or so serious and like um, sad. But I'm just saying that it, it kind of makes it sound like, oh, the scary thing that came from China is the coronavirus when we've had 
other examples, I guess, of different types of coronaviruses before in the past that have spread. Anyway, so um, like I said, the symptoms of the coronavirus are a stuffy nose. Um, you might have a cough, a sore throat, um, and sometimes children can get ear infections, which I think is also just interesting because those are like common cold symptoms and it's crazy that that could lead into something fatal. But something that I noticed from my research that I quoted was coronaviruses are common in fall and winter in the U.S., but anyone can come down with a coronavirus infection at any time. And I felt like that was the perfect way to start this podcast because people are acting like it's the crazy Chinese people (laughs) that they're eating all these crazy animals and that's why they're getting sick and we're gonna dive straight into that um, later on in the podcast, I promise. But it's just kind of crazy that just from the small amount of research and I know there's more to it and I know probably even someone listening to this probably knows more than I do and I'm just sharing the small amount of research that I did do because I wanted people to maybe who don't know about the coronavirus which I don't know how you couldn't know but um it's pretty popular but um I didn't want to preface I guess this topic of the racism that I've seen come from it um without kind of explaining what it is even though I'm not a hundred percent you know, the go-to person, like, um, but I just thought it was interesting that it said, you know, this is coronaviruses are common in the fall and winter in the United States and can infect anyone at any time. And I think it's kind of crazy to think that we are labeling these viruses as like a racial thing anyway. I just decided to highlight that quote again, because the amount of ignorant people labeling Chinese people's like such awful names and like such awful racial slurs and judging them as if they're are exempt because they're white or they're American it's like so crazy as of today transportation in and out of the city of I think it's Wu Wuhan <laughs> I don't really know if that's right um and I've heard it pronounced I just suck at pronouncing things that aren't American like super American because <laughs> I'm ignorant but um I think Wuhan or Wuhan is where is the name of the city where the virus I guess originated and it has spread to more than 15 countries which is kind of crazy I also think another thing that's interesting is that you know they're kind of quarantined this the city they don't I believe from the podcast I listened to they didn't really have travel or I think they completely restricted travel in and out of that city and that's kind of crazy because 11 million people live there i don't know i just feel like that's so crazy that that many people live there and it's kind of quarantined right now i mean that's a whole like city i don't know how many you know what hold on how many people live in sacramento as of 2018 the population of sacramento was 501,529. how many people live in wuhan china in 2018 the population of Wuhan was 11,895,000. Okay, so in my city, which I know there's different like little small counties that people in Sacramento, which is the city that I live in, would um, consider Sacramento, but it's like not. <laughs> but I mean, even that is less than probably like, I don't know. It said that we were about 600,000 people here. And that's crazy because it seems like there's so many people here. And to think that there's 11 million people in this one city where it originated and you've like completely cut off 
access to travel to 11 million people. I just think that's so crazy and so insane. And I just think that we're so focused on like the wrong things of like trying to call Chinese people barbaric and crazy and like all this stuff when like, wow, like this whole city of 11 million people, you guys are acting like they're savages eating rats all day, like acting like all Chinese people, all of them eat the same way, all of them like all love live mice. It's just so crazy. Anyway, so last time I checked, it was linked to a seafood wholesale market, um, which is kind of crazy because I thought, because I saw the rat video of the like Chinese guy, I guess, and I don't know if he was Chinese. I'm not exactly sure, but I guess like Asian guy. I don't know. I don't know. I feel bad. (laughs) I don't really know if that's, I'm just going to say Asian guy, but I don't know. But I guess I'm just going to say guy, but I guess his him being Asian plays a part in the story. So he's of some Asian descent, I think. I know. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I feel so bad. But anyway, and um, he was eating rats or something and like they were alive, kind of. They kind of looked paralyzed or stunned or whatever. And I thought for some reason that that video was linked to the coronavirus and everything that I've read has nothing to do with that it says that it comes from the seafood wholesale market and I feel like that could be logical of any seafood wholesale market anywhere I mean we have those here and the same thing could have happened here I mean just you never can predict with animals I mean you're it's a whole body first of all it's a whole being that has its own organs its own way of that body functioning you can't super control that especially when you are as a country slaughtering four billion animals a day you really think they're going in and investigating every single one of those animals bodies to make sure they're super healthy you don't i mean it's uh, it's bound to happen that any kind of mistake and like disease and stuff that comes from eating animals is going to happen because you're dealing with feces you're dealing with pee you're dealing with vomit you're dealing with birth you're dealing with babies you're dealing with breast milk you're dealing with blood you're dealing with organs all all over the place you're dealing with overpaid I mean under (laughs) underpaid exploited workers who were been reported to defecate (laughs) and like urinate where they work because they're under such extreme conditions to produce these products at these alarming rates for these snotty ass first world westerners that need to have 10 different options of meat at the supermarket when they get there like we are bound to have some kind of illness and disease break out from these awful conditions that we are keeping these animals into so to act like this is a Chinese thing when it's just we were never meant to have animals and breed them at this scale of four billion a day like you know what I mean I don't know anyway it could happen anywhere is basically what I'm saying and it's interesting to see because I think killing a hundred people is like pretty wild but the World Health Organization has determined the virus to not yet rise to the level of a public health emergency. And so they haven't declared it a public health emergency, which I think is kind of crazy because I feel like killing 100 people is kind of a big deal. And I would determine that to be a public health emergency, but I understand the weight 
and how it is politically and economically not smart to just 100% determine something a public health emergency when it comes from such a place that we have such strong trade and I guess trade deals with and um, to kind of determine the place where you're getting all of your goods from a public like a public health emergency is not really good for business for these countries so (laughs) capitalism (laughs) but anyway like I said it's all interconnected all of this is interconnected so I think that might play a role of why the World Health Organization hasn't determined it to be a public health emergency yet but I could be wrong obviously that's just my interpretation and all the also the girl in my um the podcast that I was listening to she also said um trade might be a reason why they haven't um, declared it a public health emergency yet. Again, that's just speculation. I don't really want to focus on what the coronavirus is. I just wanted to give you guys kind of like a background to kind of help, I guess, bring clarity to what this is. It's not just coronavirus. So yeah, I want to focus on the extreme amount of racism and prejudice behaviors from all different races, but in particularly a lot of white people. I mean, it is what it is but I mean I've definitely seen this from all different races and just the racism like I said the prejudice attitudes and behaviors and discriminatory behaviors that I have seen from come from all of this coronavirus thing and um, Twitter has just been you know one of the most awful places and obviously I'm pretty active on Twitter so I, I saw a lot of how this all unfolded and it was so crazy to look at I had to mute all of my tweets that I even tweeted I think I tweeted about like three kind of defending Asian people and all the racism and awful things that people were saying about Asian people based off of this virus so I'm gonna read you guys some responses from just my own tweets like these are not these are just people who have responded to me and the first one is not all cultures are equal And I know this one is in response to me tweeting something about how we're no better than Asian people because we're American. And I just like, I mean, clearly we're not all created equal. Clearly we all went through different types of things that created our culture and a lot of our cultures were lost and a lot of people don't know their origins and things like that. But I'm assuming he is trying to say that, you know, American culture, which is white culture, is... um. I mean, and and to an extent, I mean, I I guess there is like an American culture that all of us kind of have, I guess, not all of us, but a lot of us. I mean, we're all Americans, so we all kind of have our own little like American ways. And I'm assuming that they're just saying that American culture, I'm assuming they're American, is better than Chinese culture. And it just like makes me feel so confused on how you came to this conclusion, because what makes American culture better than Chinese culture? Are you saying because you saw one video of a guy, like a Chinese guy, I'm assuming, I mean, an Asian guy, I guess, eating like rats, I guess, and you saw one video of that on the internet and now you've concluded that your culture is better than Chinese culture? Another tweet that I saw was from the same tweet and it said, some cultures are definitely better than others. Sorry, but it's an inconvenient truth. 
And it just like makes me cringe when I see stuff like this because I know people genuinely believe that. I think in their hearts they have just casted Asian people as these crazy barbaric dog eating motherfuckers that are below them because they eat pigs and cows and chickens instead of, I guess, like the like the Yulin Dog Festival. That's always what they think of as if like huge parts of China haven't been, I guess, urbanized. Another one that I saw was I buy my meat in the grocery store where no animals were harmed. And I, I've seen this narrative. I mean, not, not to get too off topic, but I've seen this narrative a lot in people who kind of think because they go to the grocery store and their pretty packaged meat is there that there was no harm. And that's just like not accurate. I mean, clearly, if we're like I said, if we're going to slaughter four billion animals in one day, obviously the sanitation in that is just awful. I mean, you like you have these people who are working in these conditions, not only that are like forced to can produce such an like they're they're supposed to, you know, like slaughter a certain amount of animals per like second or like per minute or whatever. Uh, or maybe it's per hour. I'm not exactly sure. Or maybe even it's per day. But, you know, they have the this constant pressure of to produce, to produce, to produce. So sanitation really isn't obviously their main concern, especially when English isn't their first language and this white dude just hired them. Anyway, this is another, that's another tangent. But I mean, there's so much exploitation and gross shit that can be in your grocery store meat that that's just ignorant and then this is another narrative that I saw a lot on Twitter and it says for me it's more about the disease I'm well aware of what happens here but we're not getting diseases from what we're eating of course it's not every Asian and even if I'm not from China I'm still gonna worry because who knows how this disease could spread and that's kind of where I'm going to start commenting and kind of dissecting a lot of these myths that people have. Um, And one of the last tweets that I'm going to read is (laughs) he kind of gave me little bullet points, which is just great. He said, number one, what's a factory farm? And he put it in like quotes. Then he said, number two, even if we're very occasionally cruel, we don't eat animals that are known vectors for disease. Then he said, number three, I think the bats are a cover story for germ warfare research gone a wire. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on the whole bat thing because that's not where the, this podcast is going. But um, I think it's also funny that he said, what is a factory farm and quotes like that was really woke or something like they don't exist. <laughs> what I really want to focus on is he said, we don't eat animals that are known vectors for disease. And it kind of plays also into the other tweet that said I buy my meat in a grocery store where no animals were harmed and I just kind of chuckled at both of those because there are so many diseases associated with the meat that we eat here and I'm just gonna focus I mean I guess mostly on western areas or like European areas E. coli you know like from ground beef BSE which is you know mad cow disease from cattle I'm gonna fucking slaughter this name but it's trinosis I'm not exactly sure, but um, that comes from pork. Um, Salmonella, obviously, from 
poultry and other kinds of meat. Anyway, there are so many like foodborne infections and intoxications that we get here in our own country. For example, you know, mad cow disease, which is, I guess, also called BSE. And that stands for something that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. But um, that killed 177 people in the UK. But you don't have this stigma against people from the UK that they're going to come and spread mad cow disease. I mean, I know mad cow disease was a big deal, but it wasn't racial. It wasn't associated with white people and it didn't have this everlasting effect that made everybody afraid of white people because they were in it mad cow disease. Like, no, that did not happen. Even though that killed 170, 177 people. I also, just to like kind of get off topic, but while I was doing my research into, you know, the different kind of diseases that we have that kill people, you know, through like viruses or diseases or like foodborne illnesses and like stuff like that. Something interesting that I learned while I was researching about mad cow disease just a little bit is that, you know, as a way to prevent the disease in the UK from, I guess, spreading, I don't really know how that really prevented it, but they would not allow animals older than 30 months to enter the human or animal food supply. So just like keep in mind that cows are expected to live 20 to 24 years And that would make this cow a little under three years old. And that was considered, you know, like too old or they wouldn't accept that for consumption for even animals, pet food. (sighs) They killed 4.4 million cows um, during the eradication um, program in the UK, which is... (sighs) I think sometimes when you throw out numbers like that, like numbers in like the billions or the millions, like we don't really ever comprehend how much that is to lose three billion animals a day, three to four billion animals we kill every day. It's just insane to me. Like it's just an awful number. It's just a number that we can't even visualize. And I think that's a way that it helps us detach because we don't really have to you know like how are we gonna envision a billion like it's just whatever it's the circle of life like it's so easy to cast it away because like what is a billion you know like we can't even picture that in our head so like what is it to me but when you really like try and you really think about it I think a lot of people really would resonate with that if they really wanted to, if they really thought about the fact that, you know what, the fact that we do that every day, a billion animals for consumption, why? You know, and I think most loving, compassionate people kind of come to that realization. To kill off 4.4 million cows during the eradication, you know, I just can't imagine how awful that is because not only did we determine that their lives mean nothing, which is barbaric, if anything, not only did we determine that their life was just useless and we just kill all of them, it wasn't their fault in the first place. I just feel like we're so entitled to think that we can just kill 4.4 million beings because we did this to them. Imagine you being born with your family stripped from you just to have just to be killed because we oops spread a disease and don't want it to happen to us we're gonna kill you and 4.4 million of your brothers and sisters like that it's just a mass slaughter that if it were to happen to humans we would never let it happen and there's no reason why because they're animals that it should be justified a lot of people have this human-centered superiority that they think that I'm a human so everything that 
I I look out for other humans before I look out for animals. And I mean, I guess in a way that makes sense, because obviously you're going to look out for your own species. I mean, obviously, I would expect a cow to like choose its baby over me. I mean, it's looking out for its own species, but that comes with an extent, you know, when it comes to killing 4.4 million beings, we really have to ask, is our love for meat and flesh and animal parts like really worth this all? Like the fact that it majority of these diseases and like illnesses and viruses are coming from using a, another being as profit. Like, are we really not going to like acknowledge the fact that, you know, is this all really worth it? Because it's not. Anyway, um, but I mean, that all came from colonization and that came from using animals as commodities on a huge, large scale, like having way more animal products than you really needed. Um, and that's why, I mean, it is the way that it is today. Like, that's why we have factory farming and stuff like that is because we're fucking greedy. But okay, anyway. The narrative that I'm seeing is like, wow, look at those dirty Asians. Like, although dirty Asians is like nice (laughs) compared to obviously it's not nice, but I'm saying like compared to the slurs that I've seen, just the things that I've read of people talking about Asian people from all of this has just been awful. There was a petition in an area north of Toronto that started, um, that had 9,000 parents demanding that the students who um, traveled to China in the last 17 days stay home from school. Um, one comment that stuck out to me from someone that has signed this petition was stop eating wild animals and then infecting everyone else around you. A huge issue that I have is that people are painting their racism as a concern from the general public. It's not. People are saying, I'm not racist. I just don't think that they should eat those kinds of animals and then infect me. And I just think it's crazy because the lady said, (laughs) stop eating wild animals and then infecting everyone else around you. But no one says anything to hunters that go out and hunt um, beautiful exotic animals and come back and eat them. Like no one says anything about that. No one says anything about the white people that travel to Africa to um, hunt exotic animals there for the quote unquote really needy tribes <laughs> and no one says anything about feeding those tribes lion meat and all this other random shit but now all of a sudden <laughs> you guys have a problem with eating wild animals I mean no one says shit when people go and travel to foreign countries and try exotic weird and even alive animals on tv like that Anthony dude does like everybody loves that fucking shit everybody loved fear factor where we killed spiders and like we're eating them and eating all these other weird shit and eating alive shit all the time on fear factor and I know so many of those motherfuckers who are quote-unquote concerned about the general public love all of those things so it's just another way that people are masking their racism in concern for the public it's just like when I was talking about last week where we have a society of racist people who are racist who don't want to be called racist that's exactly what it is they're 
blinding their concern, quote unquote, for the public as I mean, their racism as a concern for the public. And I don't buy it at all. It's kind of the same thing that we like saw with Ebola, even like that's a whole nother thing where people were so rude and racist towards all black people. I mean, people were rude and racist towards me and I've never even been to Africa. I don't know anyone even from Africa. Um, I mean, if people were and this is how I know that it's rooted in racism, because I know a lot of people are going to like act like it's a concern for their health. And I know that a lot of people are concerned about it. I'm not saying it's wrong to be concerned that I'm not saying it's wrong to be like scared because I mean, it is. And the media and everything is hyping up so much and we're focusing on it so much. So, yeah, we are conditioned to be afraid of this thing. I don't buy that whole public concern. I know that this is fear that the media is putting in her head. And it's not to say that this isn't a big deal or that this isn't something that we should be concerned about. It's just you shouldn't be using racism as a way to express your concern. You shouldn't be judging another culture for eating X animal when you eat Y animal. Even after the coronavirus hopefully blows over and we find some type of vaccine or cure or something that's going to help. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I have no idea how that would even work. But the outlasting effect that this will have is major. The racism associated with Asian, I mean, with the, the racism that Asian culture is going to face will live on way past this coronavirus. This isn't just like an Asian community issue. I mean, whenever we have like a huge outbreak of illnesses, um, when it comes from an area where like an area of color, um, it's always a huge racial issue. Um, on a study that they conducted with about 350,000 white people and 77,000 black people, Um, The conclusion was among white people who are highly averse to germs, images that evoke thoughts of infectious diseases also increase bias against blacks. So basically their conclusion was that, you know, whenever we have like, I guess, white people kind of associate a lot of diseases with a certain skin type. And I that is kind of like the repercussion of all of this. Like, even though when Ebola was kind of phased out, we still associate Ebola with black people, with Africans, with if you go to Africa, you're going to get Ebola. Like with James Charles's tweet about Ebola, although I don't believe in cancel culture, you guys know that. And you guys know that I think that people are able to grow and learn from their mistakes and become a better person. Um, if they actually try, which I think a lot of people don't actually try to be a better person. And I don't know anything about James Charles. I just remember this tweet about Ebola. So don't try to come for me and be like, James Charles doesn't change. I don't fucking know anything about James Charles. I'm sorry. I just remember the tweet. Um, but you know, he tweeted something about, you know, being afraid to go to Africa, um, cause he didn't want to catch Ebola or something like that. Um, I just think that that's just kind of crazy because like, Outbreaks are the fault of the oppressors, the oppressors that stripped them from the ability to help their country prosper due to centuries of economic and 
racial forms of oppression and the fear should be on white people not on black people it should be on colonization it should be on poverty it should be on war it should be on all of these things and the fact that it's so sad that black people are now going to be associated with these diseases that shouldn't even really be happening like Hey guys, so um, my podcast did something weird here and so it's like muted right here. So I just wanted to like put something here so it's not just silent. Anyway, lol. Anyway, okay, we're coming back now. Bye. That's a whole nother tangent. But um, I know it was just like a stupid tweet that James Charles probably tweeted and that was a stupid version of him. And the version of him now can be a completely different version that lives that lives today of him. Or it cannot be. But the problem is, is that the there's a lasting effect of racism from tweets like that. Harm the people from that area, like, that is in question. But it also harms anyone who looks like that. And even though the version of you as a person might be different and you might have grown from the times that you have committed, you know, racist acts or, um, you know, xenophobia or anything like that. Like you might feel like you are a different person now, but those things that you've done and those things that you've said, you are, you did contribute to that everlasting effect for example, like in New Jersey, two Rwandan students who um, had no signs of even being a f- um, were sent home from um, school for 21 days. And if you've ever had, I mean, I'm sure everybody has missed a day of school probably. Um, and you know how hard it is to like, especially in like college and high school, how hard it is to catch up if you've missed like one or two days of school, setting that child back 21 days when just because they were Rwandan and had no signs of even being affected with Ebola, you have delayed that child's education based off of racism and nothing else other than that. It's the lasting effects that come from racism from white mistakes. And a white mistake is a phrase that I kind of came up with on my own. And I don't know if anyone else has actually coined this term. I highly doubt it because it probably sounds stupid. But it's something that I came up with um, that I've just kind of always had in my head that I guess I'm now sharing. So it's kind of vulnerable, but I know people are going to judge it. But it's just kind of something that I've used and a term, I guess, phrase that I've used to kind of describe this phenomenon. And a white mistake is basically when a white person made some type of racially insensitive comment or like act or did some kind of racially insensitive act that they may have come to terms with later on in life that it was wrong and that they may not have and they may like have learned from that mistake and realize that it was awful and that, um, you know, they're a better person now and they've learned. But because of that mistake, it has chronic effects on the oppressed person or the person being oppressed by your quote unquote white mistake. <laughs> and chronic meaning like long lasting, like constantly reoccurring, something that's going to be impression that something that was impressionable for that a person that was oppressed for example like on a small micro scale just for me one time someone as a joke called me tire and it was kind of like a play on my name tyra because you know like my they both start with t or whatever and 
Um, when they first met me, it was really dark and I'm black clearly. So, you know, you only really see like the rims on the car. You don't really see like the tire kind of like you only see black people's teeth. It's awful. It's racially insensitive. It hurt me a lot, but it's an example that, um, is of a white mistake because the person that did it, I don't believe would, would do that again or say something like that again. And I definitely think they've learned from that and, um, are a better person and, um, wouldn't, that wouldn't happen again. I, that's something that I would classify as like a white mistake because, um, although I think they've learned from the situation and wouldn't do it again and have grown, like I said, it still has a chronic effect on my heart and has shaped some of my insecurities in um in my life that's long lasting and will last in my brain for a very long time that I have to work on kind of not allowing to hurt me as much anymore I mean and that's just trauma healing that I'm gonna have to do but that's just something on a micro scale something small that I would view as an example of a white mistake Something like on a larger scale, like a macro scale would be slavery, I guess. And I know that's like a broad term. When people think of slavery, that is a very like broad term. It's not really specific at all. But although I think like white people are still awful and feel nothing for what happened to black people during slavery and during the pre and post Civil War times and during the Civil Rights Movement, I think of um, a lot of white people don't feel any kind of sympathy towards that, which is really sad. Um, but I do think a common consensus, consistent, consistent, con- consensus, <laughs> I don't know if that's right, but I think like a common um, attitude um, amongst white people, I guess, like level-headed white people maybe I don't want to say majority because I don't even know if that's accurate and I don't like putting out terms like that that are super broad but I just think that a lot of white people I guess can kind of agree now that they believe slavery was wrong and it was um awful and I think a lot of people would um resonate with that Uh, But that's another example of a white mistake, although it's much larger and much more complex. But white people will say, like, you know, get over slavery. Like, why do you still feel hurt by that? Like, I wasn't the one stealing your children. I wasn't the one demasculating your men. I wasn't the one, you know, I, I wasn't the one in the field committing these acts. So why are you mad at it? Why are you still mad at me? Like, it's not my fault. And that's, you know... It's just another example of like a white mistake. I definitely think that majority of people, not majority, I just think a lot of white people think that slavery was wrong, but it was still no matter how sorry you are, no matter how like awful you feel about it, it still has a chronic lasting pain in black people. Um, It's just another example of like the chronic long lasting effects that this has on the brains of all black people that the land that they lay their heads on at night and the land that they're raising their kids on and the land that they make money for at a slave wage is the land that was built off the oppression and injustice and death and slavery of their people for white people to prosper because blacks are continuing to live on their legacies and um, ghettos and getting slaughtered by police in their homes even now not, not let alone on the street or out buying like 
food at night or just driving in your car or whatever like now it's like being black in your home is even a crime I mean we are even getting slaughtered just because that black person in the house looked like a threat and you think I'm joking I'm not and I mean we're set up to fail by the food system by the foods that we have available in our communities I mean we're already being poisoned by McDonald's and Burger King and all of these places that are constantly and the KFC that are popping up and are so a part of black culture and I mean it's even been proven that around the first of the month uh, more and more like commercials and advertisements and adding more black people to their um, commercials and I mean if you've ever noticed McDonald's is like super hip and plays hip-hop songs and gets all the black people to you know kind of sponsor them it's racism it's food injustice it's the fact that they are pushing these products as McDonald's into our communities knowing that it's killing us knowing that heart disease and cancers and diabetes are running rampant in our communities and it's all a form of racism and oppression and we deal with that repercussion because we were brought here as slaves I mean I mean it's so much more complex than that but I mean no amount of I'm sorry that this is happening to you even though I'm not sitting there blaming the white person really next to me because slavery I mean I know that person didn't do slavery but you are reaping the benefits and I know every day that my people built this country people of color built this country and I know that's a small inconvenient truth for a lot of people but I mean the civil war started because of slavery it started because the south wanted to keep their slaves I mean people are gonna try to act like there was another version no like read the secessions all of that had everything to do with um using black people as slaves and we built their wealth majority of their wealth came from slavery like we built this country we did and we didn't get anything out of it we got killed and slaughtered and now you can drink at the same water fountain as the white guy and now you can go to school with the black girl cool where we are so set back we are still suffering and not healing and we're not united and it's just awful but anyway in our communities we're being affected by you know mass incarceration which is taking black men father figures second sources of income whatever you want to call them um i mean i'm not saying that women aren't breadwinners clearly women can be breadwinners it's a father figure it's the second source of income it's your parent and they're getting lost in the system and mass incarceration which is weakening our communities that need our black men and like need our black moms and need our children and our communities are being ripped apart when you have this family member going to jail and let's say that the father of this household went to jail. Now, you know, you might have lived in this neighborhood for a while, but now you have to move because either you can't afford it or you have to move closer to the prison that they're at or whatever you have to do. I mean, the communities are being broken up. So that means you have more renters, which means you have more people who are moving in and out, which means there's no sense of community. All of this is interconnected. You know what I mean? And so when it comes time for white people to have like these kind of white mistakes, 
that, yeah, I grow. Um, yeah, I learn. And yeah, I'm not saying that any of that is bad. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad, but I'm just saying that is kind of my problem with, you know, all lives matter. And I don't see color and I'm an individual and not all white people this and not all white people that. You don't just get to spread your I'm an individual narrative when as a collective part of what made you, 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 you was built on the oppression, privilege, and lives of indigenous people, of black people, of Asian people, and other people of color. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) You don't get to spread your I'm an individual narrative when as a collective part of what made you you was built on the oppression, extreme privilege, and lives of indigenous, black, Asian, and other people of color. And that doesn't mean that you as an individual aren't a good person. And I think that's kind of where white people get uncomfortable is that when it comes time to address racism or anything like that, they immediately get kind of defensive and say like, oh, but like, I'm a good person. Like, I'm not bad. Like, I don't hate black people like this and that instead of realizing that, hey, I might have some racial tendencies. I might have some racial um inequalities that I still think are true in my head. I benefited from a society that was built off of racism. On Twitter, I got into one of my first arguments of 2020, woo, (laughs) Um, with some person named Elle or something like that and um, some other account that I blocked. And I remember seeing, um, I think, I believe it was the account that I blocked say something along the lines of like, but I've punched a Nazi, like I'm not racist or like some shit like that. And it's like, why do you think your good deeds excuse you from your foundation? You should be a good person because like being anti-racist is the right thing to do, not to like shed your connection to whiteness because that's a part of you. Just like like heteronormalities are ingrained in me. I don't get to just put a rainbow flag in my bio, take a picture at Pride for my Instagram and claim individuality from the heterosexual society that my foundation was built on. Overall, the point of all of this is yes. <laughs> James Charles <laughs> may grow and learn from his Ebola tweet, but that Ebola tweet is everlasting. And its effects have rippled into the minds of others who may not ever work on their racism. I know I used this kind of spectrum example on one of my friends and she looked at me like I was crazy. But like just like as an example to like help you visualize this, it's much more complex than this. It's just a way to help you visualize it. Um, Don't take this as like this is how I 100% believe it because I know it's way more complex than this. But if you think of like a spectrum and we are all born equal, I mean, to like an extent, obviously we are born with like certain disabilities and social inequalities that are imposed on us at birth. But in a perfect reality, we should all be born equal. Like black should not be better than white and vice versa socially. I mean, environmentally, like if you're in Africa and you're white, like clearly being black is going to be an advantage and a privilege versus like if I go to like a really cold climate, I'm pretty sure I'm going to struggle there. But as like as far as socially and as far as like on a hierarchy, there should be no hierarchy between black and white people. We should be 
equal and all lives should matter, but they don't. And that's why we don't say all lives matter, guys. We say black lives matters because all lives should matter, but black lives don't matter. So that's why. Anyway, so basically, if you think of it as like this spectrum, it's up to you to educate yourself. And that determines your spot on this like spectrum. For example, like I am born with all these privileges that come with my heterosexuality. And it is up to me to unlearn that through education. And um, I am already starting in the lower end because I am heterosexual. So I am not oppressed for being heterosexual. And um, I was built off the normalities that benefited me. Um, And I can't really do anything about my past, but I can become more quote unquote woker and try to increase my spot on the spectrum. And that be and that comes from, you know, listening to oppressed people instead of listening to about oppression from the viewpoint of the oppressor. So that comes with actually going beyond your history class where your white teacher teaches you about Black History Month for like a month. Um, that comes from, you know, going on YouTube and looking at the different, I mean, there's so many opinions of black people. We don't all agree on anything, but I mean, that comes from listening to people who are actually oppressed. That comes from listening to actually indigenous people instead of your history teacher who's not indigenous. That comes from going to the source and learning about their oppression so that you can become a better ally and a better person because you're actively working on your bad qualities. And like I use the spectrum example because it's like all I can do is try and move forward on my spectrum. But as long as I remain stagnant and I say I'm not going to learn anything about how to become a better LGBTQ plus IA plus ally. I'm just furthering becoming more and more ignorant, more and more discriminatory, more and more prejudiced towards those people. So I'm decreasing my spot on the spectrum versus if I'm actively working on becoming a better person, you would be like increasing more of a spectrum. So I don't know if that really makes sense. If it doesn't, then just pretend like I didn't say anything. But if you resonated with that, that's just kind of how I view it. So to kind of tie everything, everything together. This coronavirus, although I don't know how it's going to end, I have no idea. This could turn into something way bigger. Um, Just based off of like, from what I've realized, I feel like the racism that's going to, that came from all of this is going to have such a prolonged chronic effect on the Asian community. And it's sad because we are no better than these, than Chinese people. We are no better then African people, we are all just people living on this populated circle that's floating through the sky and we're all just trying to get by and we are doing it in ways that are so destructive and racist and sad and oppressive and we all have so much to do and work on to become better people and we really need to look at how the things that we say um, really affect people because I know when I was in the eighth grade and I was very ignorant and I was very religious and I remember gay marriage was up for vote and I believe that it didn't pass at first. I'm not sure, but um, maybe it did pass. I'm not exactly sure, but I remember being in eighth grade and something was happening with gay marriage and I just remember saying, but like, I don't believe in gay marriage and like thinking that now is so awful and I can't imagine like 
I mean, and I grew up in a very religious household, so I thought that like LGBTQ plus issues were like weird and I didn't really understand them. And I had to actively learn and like unlearn so much of that. And I and it like I know some of that is still ingrained in me and I know that I have to work on that. So it's not just white people have to work on racism and people of color are perfect because we're not. We, especially black people, have so much transphobia and homophobia that runs through our brains and runs through our blood. And we all have stuff to work on to, you know, increase our spot on the spectrum. Basically, we have to be careful of the everlasting effects of our actions. I can sit here and say that I I genuinely believe I've become a such better ally for LGBTQ plus people. But I know that maybe me in eighth grade saying something about how I think gay marriage and same-sex marriage is wrong might have an everlasting effect on someone that I might have heard me say that in eighth grade and that still might affect them to this day and I'm not exempt from the heterosexuality um normalities that society has put on me and ingrained in me and I can't just detach myself from those because I think I'm a better person now and it's the same thing with racism you can't just say I'm an individual look at me as an individual when part of a collective of what made you you was based off of oppression and it's your foundation is based off of white privilege and that's a whole (laughs) another topic that I definitely want to dive into and I know a lot of people aren't going to get it and I know a lot of people aren't going to resonate with this podcast like I've always said and like I always try to say in every podcast you might not fuck with every episode of my podcast and I think that's okay and I'm learning and I'm still learning and some ideas that I may have had yesterday even I still have changed um So I'm not claiming to be perfect. I'm not claiming to be a know-it-all. This is just a place where I just dump all of my thoughts and hope that I find someone that resonates with it. And it is what it is. And maybe this week might not be your episode. Or maybe this week was your favorite episode. I don't know. I've only had three, but let me know. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to like close this all out because I know I've been talking forever. Um, If you guys have any ideas of what you guys want me to do for my Black History Month series next month. I have a lot of ideas, but if you guys have any, you know, Black veganism topics or anything that has anything to do with Black um, history or rights or perspective or art or anything like that, let me know. Um, And also, if you guys are listening to this podcast and you guys are drinking your kombuchas out of like a wine glass or you're drinking your water or juice or whatever out of a whatever glass and you guys are doing that it's so sweet when you guys post it so like let me know and I will post them on my Instagram too and you guys should follow me on my Instagram because I'm gonna post really cute stuff on there like I have a theme now that I think about it because I know I haven't posted anything on it but it's because I was thinking like what am I gonna post on here but yeah I actually have a really cute theme that I have in mind so follow me at kombucha hour on Instagram um and subscribe to my YouTube channel because apparently I can't like monetize any of my podcast episodes which means I can't like make any money off of them not that it's about money um get paid for you know the amount of work that I do to put into my podcast um and I think it's kind of fucked up that they don't really let you monetize anything until you've hit 1,000 subscribers which I remember just even on my actual channel how hard it was to get a thousand subscribers (laughs) um but if you guys 
would follow my podcast on youtube it's just that kombucha hour um podcast i'm sure if you just type it in there you'd find it and you can also subscribe to me at tyra the taurus too where i'll be posting some videos there um and please let me know if there's any topics that you guys want me to cover and if you guys want any clarity on topics i know some of you guys messaged me um about last week's episode and had questions and I think that that's so cool and dope and you guys had feedback from me that was so sweet I like love that and if you guys have any questions and need clarity just message me I'm totally down to have the conversation sometimes I just get so busy that it's hard for me to respond to everything in such depth um and sometimes I forget and I check messages and whatever it's it's a big bloody fucking mess but um I'm sorry and feel free to like say hey did you get my message and I'm so sorry like I genuinely am never trying to ignore anyone I just have so much school (laughs) that it like kind of consumes my whole life and just to kind of end this um like I said um if you guys are listening to this podcast um let me know and take like a picture like screenshot it and tag me and it'd be cool to like know what you guys are doing when you're listening to this like if you guys are getting ready or if you guys are like um in your car or whatever I think it would just be kind of cool to see like what different people do when they're listening to the podcast but anyways let me know um and just end this not every episode might not be for you I know I talked about a lot of heavy topics um and I will go into more depth about them um obviously racism is such a depth it's such a complex um topic and so I understand that if you didn't really understand where I was coming from and you know you're not super educated on racism from my point of view or from a black perspective Um, and you're kind of more used to, you know, maybe a different black perspective as a black person, or maybe you're just used to, you know, your perspective as a white person. So it's not something that you're going to be a hundred percent eradicated from immediately. So, um, anyways, I'm going to go, I know I'm babbling and I know this is probably a really long episode. Um, and thank you guys so much for your support and I hope you guys enjoy my series next month. I'm very scared about it because I know a lot of people have different views, you know, on black issues and stuff like that, but that's just kind of my realm. And so many people have been messaging me saying that I'm opening their minds and opinions and I'm opening up the discussion. And that's always been like my goal is to open up the discussion in a productive and loving way. And obviously I can get passionate and like I'll raise my voice and everybody, you know, has different passions. And I think that's what makes me love my podcast so much is because it's just me and I just kind of get to vent instead of always having to like explain myself so much. It's just me being me which is sometimes not always perfect. (laughs) Anyway, but I'm going to go. And um, thanks again for the support. And I will see you guys in next week's episode.